Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the third hour of the program. There are three hours every day. The full number, should you wish to be a part of this year program, 877-973-7425. I've got people who've waited very patiently on the phone lines, and I want to talk to them, but... I got to tell you something. I'm going to talk about a topic here in a few moments. Some of you may get a little upset with me on it, but I hope you'll stick around because there's some data out there, some polling data for whatever that's worth on the rise of authoritarianism. And I have some thoughts that some people aren't going to like. Let's go first, though, to Justin. You're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Just finished up with work. I'm first time caller, long time listener, probably one of your few millennial listeners. Uh, you know, I believe I think, it or not, I actually have uh, way more millennial listeners now than I, I, I thought I did. I got more 25 to 45 year olds than I do 60 year olds and up. Well, that's good. That's good. We need our generation listening to some smart stuff. Um, I just had a question throwing back to you talking about Democrats voting for felons to get the stimulus check. Um, my question is, why do you care? It's, I mean, they're Americans. They've paid their debt to society. No, they, no, 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 uh, no. Uh, um, you and I probably see eye to eye on this. If, if you're out of jail, uh, why shouldn't you get the check if everybody else gets the check? No, the, the problem is that the checks went to people who are still in jail. Oh, okay. I must have hopped in the car right at the tail end. Yeah, no, no, no. That That's the problem uh, here. So, you know, uh, Sarnayev, the Boston bomber, uh, who's in, yes. I guess he's on death row. He got a stimulus check. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. That, no, I, I agree with you. I think if you've, if you've done your time and you're back in society, uh, we need to get you back in the workforce and, and help you out. And I actually think Republicans need to go a little further than they have in that level of criminal justice reform for people who they screwed up. They made a mistake. Uh, how difficult it is for people to get jobs once they've left prison and rebuilt, rehabilitate their lives is something we all need to be more concerned with, and I don't think it gets enough attention. Uh, but I, I'm appalled at the number of people who literally are in prison and got stimulus checks. Yeah, that's, that's surprising to me uh, that that's even a debate. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, and by the way, you should know Republicans <laughs> proposed an amendment in the Senate to clarify uh, that convicted felons doing time would not get these stimulus checks, and the Democrats refused to even bring it up for a vote. Right. 
So okay, yeah, well, that's, that's all that's I really wanted some clarification on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you called in to clarify because, my gosh, you should see the hate mail I'm getting from people who've tuned in and out today and they've misheard something I've said. I was like, no, I agree with you. Stop hating on me. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I called because you and I tend to agree on just about everything. Yeah, well, listen, Justin, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, um, I just, this, you know what, as an aside, <clears throat> that's why I like taking callers sometimes. They they throw me off and put me on a topic I wasn't going to go on. I really do sincerely believe uh, this. And I, 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 I try to talk to my Republican friends about this. I spent a number of years as a uh, indigent criminal defense attorney. Now, I wasn't good at my job, you should know, um, although I never had someone who I was innocent. Uh, we were always able to get them a good settlement. But I have seen uh, firsthand how a lot of people, they do the time, they screwed up. Just one time screw up. They go to jail. They've committed a felony. They're there for more than a year. They get out of prison, and they have the hardest time getting their lives back together because society does tend to be skeptical of people who went to prison, understandably so. But I think we have to do more as a society to help rehabilitate people, and I'm not a big fan of getting rid of background checks and the like. Um, I, I think there, there's got to be a more societal cost. Listen, I understand if you're at a bank, you don't want someone who has um, committed felonies in the past working at the bank that raises all sorts of issues. But they shouldn't also have to just be the janitor of floors if, they, if they've got qualified skills in the labor market to be able to do something. We make it really hard for people to rehabilitate themselves after prison. They've been punished. They've accepted their punishment. Now we got to help them get back on their feet. And there are some great prison ministries out there that really do help. This is one area where the church has has really stepped up to the plate in the United States with prison ministries that rehabilitate people. But y'all, it's something I think Republicans, we oftentimes don't think of. We're, we're, we're looking at punishing the criminal lawbreaker. Okay, we've punished them now. What do you do? When I punish my kids, I then hug them and make sure I, they know I still love them. And I think to some degree in our society, we have to do that. Unfortunately, I think that the Democrats who do tend to focus on this issue more, um, their ideas are bad uh, when it comes to rehabilitating them in society, essentially um, doing things to make it so they don't have to own up to the fact. I just, oh, we, maybe if we're a less judgmental society. I'm not sure. Anyway, didn't mean to get off on that, but I just, I, I really do feel very strongly about that. Uh, one more call, and then I got to make all of you mad. Tracy, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey, Eric, you were talking about telling the full story of January 6th and all the other uprisings. I've got the same feeling about covid and my question to you is, why aren't Republicans highlighting the obvious questions that, I'll say this loosely, reporters should be asking in their stories uh, about asking the, the full story? If kids are in the hospital with COVID, is it because they have comorbidities or something else happened to them and they tested positive? Why aren't they telling the full story about current treatments have been going on, not just hanging your hat on the upcoming Pfizer pill or the next and greatest. Doctors have been treating this with vitamin C, D, zinc, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Uh, no one oh, that wants to go to into that. comorbidities. Why aren't Republicans pushing back? Yeah, well, they, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I think story. that some are, um, and by and large, we don't hear about it because it's the media itself that is censoring some of this stuff. I, I do not know a doctor. In all in all seriousness, Tracy, I don't know a doctor. I, I've got a lot of friends who are doctors, and I can't think of a single one who has not advised me to take zinc and vitamin C uh, during COVID. And, and I've been taking zinc and vitamin C 
Uh, I was taking vitamin C before COVID, but I've added zinc, uh, just a small extra dose of zinc every day. And I know several people whose doctors have said the same thing. Now, a couple of them have gotten COVID. I have thus far been very blessed and haven't gotten COVID. Uh, but I know a number of people who have, and they attribute their reduced symptoms to those extra vitamins. My own doctor has I mean, told the me. Atlanta Journal-Constitution should have on the front of their paper, it's a matter of when you're going to test positive with COVID. Talk to your doctor now about how they're going to treat it. And if your doctor yeah. tells you, go home and wait until you feel worse, get a new doctor. Yes, amen And, and Biden yeah. is, is, is going to be given a pass again because he's telling people, well, as if, if, long as you feel okay, stay home, don't get tested. Well, that's a way to artificially drive down numbers, and then he gets to take a victory lap. Right. And yeah, Republicans it, it, should be out there saying, hey, hey, hey. Ron DeSantis is the only one I know of who has been out there, particularly on this particular issue, Tracy, that DeSantis has been around Florida pointing to there are things you can do to mitigate. uh, and There are things you can do to improve your chances. And it's been well known and documented in the media that that zinc and vitamin D and vitamin C absolutely help. Now, the key with vitamin D, for those of you who haven't heard this, there's a lot of research now out there that actually the, your best way of getting vitamin D is to be in sunlight. It's not to take the pill. The The supplemental vitamin D pill does not do as much for you as just standing in the sunlight. Not saying get a sunburn or even a suntan, but be in sunshine actually does a ton of good. The best place for people to be during COVID is outside. That's why it was so utterly profoundly stupid to shut beaches down in California and the like. When uh, COVID was not, it just, it, it made no sense. And now you've got reporters out there. I want to play for you this audio. This is a reporter at the White House asking this question. It, it's just mind-numbingly stupid. Uh, you know, why hasn't the president focused more on kind of scolding the unvaccinated to try to tell them, hey, this is not working for society and we're, you know, we keep getting these shutdowns? Well, I would say that, um, if you look just to a little over a year ago, last December, only about a third of the American people were willing to get a shot. And today, over 85% of American adults have at least one shot. Why, why aren't you harassing the unvaccinated? Uh, you know, the Mayo Clinic, my wife's cancer was diagnosed by the Mayo Clinic. We have a relationship with the Mayo Clinic. I was perturbed to read they have fired some of their staff for refusing to get the vaccine. Now, the media will tell you it's only 1% of their staff. 1%. That's 700 people. 700 people have lost their job at the Mayo Clinic because they didn't want to take the vaccine. We're having spillover effects now around the country. The police in New York City are having police shortages because Bill de Blasio fired police officers who didn't take the vaccine. We've got airline shortages. We're we're having all sorts of airline delays around the country. Some of it is weather-related. A lot of it is people no longer working in for the airlines notice uh, while delta has been affected uh charlie my, my producer was, had all sorts of trouble flying with delta um uh, for family for christmas and a lot of it was weather some of it was people infected with covid uh in fact delta had an, a number of employees pilots i believe or flight attendants who tested positive that have disrupted their air schedule but delta has been better than all the other airlines combined for the most part because it chose not to fire employees who refused to get the vaccine. And some of the others started laying people off before they reversed their position. But my understanding from talking to a couple of pilot friends of mine is that those who began the layoffs never brought those people back. I 
do not think that any private business should mandate the vaccine, although I understand why some are, and it's their private business choice. Uh, I do think that, uh, like, for example, my, my parent company that for my radio show, Cox Media Group, uh, said you got to get the vaccine. If not, you need to be regularly tested for COVID. I think that's a fair compromise that every company can do. Now, the problem here with Omicron is that apparently you need the saliva test, not the nasal test, uh, but companies can adapt to that. But I think it's a reasonable compromise. You understand that if people get COVID, it spreads very quickly, more quickly, more virulently than flu. You could lose a bunch of employees for two weeks at a time. It could put your company back. So it's a fair trade. If you don't want to get the shot, at least get regularly tested to make sure you're not going to come in and spread it to everybody. I I think that's reasonable. And it boggles my mind that some people don't think that is a fair compromise. I think it is. What I think is unfortunate is the companies that never came up with that compromise, but instead said, take the vaccine or lose your job. And now airlines are having problems because of it. Police stations are having problems because of it. Uh, Public schools are having problems because of it. Hospitals are having problems because of it. I could have told you this was going to happen. It was obvious. Some people are flat out not going to take this vaccine for whatever reason, whether you or I agree with them or not. Some people aren't. Punishing them because they don't want to go along with everybody else on this when there are reasonable compromises to make is, I think, more insane than their refusal to get the vaccine. There are plenty of reasonable compromises that could be made. It's just some people would prefer to feel morally superior by refusing to compromise with those they disagree with. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here, and this hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan Nationwide. If your business wants to be a big business and you need big loans to do it, First Liberty, that's who you need to go to. Uh, I've known the Frost family for years. They are good, good people, and they've been helping businesses grow since the early 90s. Uh, Good conservatives, good Christians, great business. They make their own lending decisions. Uh, So reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. They can help you anywhere, but we're talking like 500,000 and up. They do big deals for businesses that want to be big deals, firstlibertyga.com. I want to go to Doc, who has been waiting patiently. Doc, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Eric. What's going on? Hey, my question is uh, Joe's speech, but my question is I'm an African American. I saw tens of thousands of people campaigning uh, for Trump. Joe Biden couldn't get 21 people um, on a podcast. Are we supposed to believe our lying eyes that this guy got more votes than Barack Obama when Republicans actually voted? For Barack Obama? Yeah, yeah. you know, I actually do believe it, and, and I know a lot of people don't, but I'll, I'll tell you why I do. Uh, when you look at population increase in the country over time compared to when Barack Obama was uh, getting elected in 2008 versus Joe Biden in 2020, and you do a math increase, it actually works out for him when you factor in crossover votes, people who didn't vote and the like. Uh, yeah, I can actually totally believe it. It was the most energized, most engaged uh, amount of people we've had a long time. So there were a lot of people who said like, wow, it's like Detroit got 110% engagement. Actually, when you look back to look at it, it, it wasn't true. Um, there was like a 60 to 70% engagement in Detroit, which they've had in the past uh, in high turnout elections. In high turnout elections, you do get way more people. And let's be honest, the 2020 election was one of the most polarizing political elections in America. So yes, I fundamentally do think that Joe Biden could get that many votes. Uh, the data is there to support it. When I was a campaign strategist, one of the things you do is you try to figure out turnout votes in precincts 
because, you know, every county is divided in, into precincts. You got uh, 50 precincts or so, usually in a lot of counties, uh, more in big counties, big counties. And so you have to go back. If you want to figure out how many people do I need to win this precinct? What you do is you got to go into the last comparable election. So for a presidential election, you go back to the last presidential election and you see how many people live in this county or how many people are in this precinct. Now, how many votes do these people get? So you have total number of registered voters in a count in a precinct. And then you have the total of votes those registered voters gave you in that precinct. What you then have to do is take your current precinct registration number and see how much it's increased. And so if somebody won, now y'all, I went to law school, so I don't have to do math. So bear with me here. If you got in, in 2016, candidate A got a hundred vote margin of victory. But now the precinct is increased by 50%. Now you need 150 vote margin increase. And you could do that. And what you see around the country is in a lot of areas, not only did, was there a massive increase in registered voters because Democrats poured efforts into doing voter registration in ways Republicans bragged about doing in 2020 and didn't actually do. But there's also been a population increase in the country that's been reflected in the census. Between those two things, you weren't seeing 110 and 120% increases like people claimed, but you were seeing in some areas of the country, you were seeing upwards of 80, 90%, and in some areas of the country, 100% turnout in precincts. And it's possible for that to happen. It actually is. Just because you've never seen this happen before doesn't mean it can't happen. George Bush in 2004 got 51% of the vote. No president uh, in a very long time had gotten 51% of the vote. And then Barack Obama came along in 2008 or 2012, whichever one was, and he got 51% of the vote. But his 51% of the vote was far higher than what George Bush had gotten in 2004. And a lot of Republicans, oh, this can't be so. There's, there's no way. But it was. And then you jump to 2016, and in Erie, Council, Erie County, Pennsylvania, Donald Trump got something like, uh, there was something like a, a 75% turnout, and Donald Trump blew it out of the water with a 10 or 15% vote in the Democrats. So there's no way this could be, actually. Yes, there was. Just because you haven't seen that turnout before doesn't mean it's not possible. The numbers were there to make it happen. And whether you want to admit it or not, Donald Trump was a highly divisive figure in presidential politics. Just consider Georgia. Whether you believe it was legitimate or not, uh, you do understand that Joe Biden won by 11,400 votes. Did you know there were 30 to 35,000 people who didn't vote in that election? I say 30. A buddy of mine who works for Secretary of State texted me and says it's more like 33,200 people. Um, but 30,000, good round number, 30,000 people refused to vote in Georgia in the presidential race. Now, you think that's a big number. In 2016, it was 100,000 people refused to vote. That's how divisive an election was, and that's how much the turnout spiked in Georgia and the vote margins reduced as a result of it. You had 100,000 people who refused to vote for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump in Georgia in 2016. In 2020, 30,000 people refused to vote between Biden and Trump. I'm not counting third parties there. That's 30,000 people who did not cast a vote in the presidential race. And in 2016, it was 100,000 people. So those margins change, and the level of division tends to drive up uh, voter turnout. And the population increase in the country matches. So, yes, I totally think it was possible for Donald Trump to get 76 million and uh, Joe Biden to get 80 million or whatever it was. And keep in mind that that 76 million for Trump was higher than he got the last time, too. If we're casting doubt on Biden, should we not also cast doubt on Trump's? And if not, why not? Well, I think we don't have to in either side. It's perfectly legitimately consistent based on turnout, voter registration drives and population increases for both men to exceed the margins of 2016. 
In fact, I would be surprised if they didn't exceed 2016, given the dynamics of the race. Now, when we come back, and that didn't make you all mad. Oh, let's talk. And it's going to make some of you mad. Maybe some of you not, but a lot of you, yeah, will. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to talk at the end of the show now about the beginning and January 6th and everything going on, but I want to put it in a little bit of a different light. There is data out there, and I'm going to tie in a whole lot of subjects together here, and you're just going to have to deal with it. There is data out there that across the West, Western nations, nations that uh, derive from the Enlightenment and the Renaissance, these nations, there's a growing movement of the people towards authoritarianism, rejecting democracy. They want a heavy hand to impose their will. On the left, a lot of it has to do with climate change. There's a growing movement on the left that we need authoritarians. Liberal democracy can't save the planet. We need heavy hands to impose the will of the environmentalists. On the right, it tends to be cultural issues. Now, here's what you need to know. I'm going to say something people on the left aren't going to like, but it's the God's honest truth. More people will go to the polls in November concerned about the young man pretending to be a woman on the swim team in Connecticut or wherever the college is, then we'll go concerned about January 6th. More people will go to the polls upset that boys are pretending to be girls to get swimming scholarships. than we'll go to the polls upset that January 6th ever happened. That's just the truth. You may disagree. You would be wrong. These culture war issues matter. And it matters more and more because a lot of people feel like an intellectual godless elite have disproportionate say in how society should work. And most people don't go along with that agenda. But wait, there's more. I have told you for some time about the power shortages that are coming. By the way, this is directly related to the transgender swimmer. The power shortages in Europe are, believe it or not, they are. Just bear with me here. In Europe, they're having growing power shortages. The United States was warning six months ago, the United States envoy to Europe uh, for energy issues was warning that Europe was not doing enough to build up its uh, liquid natural gas supply. European reserves were emptied out. They weren't building them up. Not only were they not building them up, they were taking off more power plants, coal plants and nuclear plants in Europe. So the United States was telling the Europeans six months ago, you're in for a major crisis this wintertime. You're going to be more and more dependent on Vladimir Putin. And in fact, this is exactly what's happening. The Europeans look like they're going to have to use the Nord Stream pipeline to pump uh, natural gas from Russia into Europe to be able to warm their homes. They're going to be held hostage by the prices of Vladimir Putin. They're going to put money in his pocket, which they don't want to do because the European technocrats did not plan properly. In the same way, the European technocrats have spun up an anti-immigration movement by allowing too many people across the border into Europe from Turkey and elsewhere in ways that have deprived Europeans of jobs fueling grievances. 
And then we see that in this country as well with technocrats around this country. Look at it with the inflation issue right now in the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve refusing to do anything that they could do to help inflation, even though that's one of their primary responsibilities, because they didn't want to hurt the economy that was growing and they didn't want to hurt Biden and they didn't want to cause problems with the COVID situation, which is all understandable to a degree, except one of your primary jobs is dealing with inflation. And now they're going to have to rush it and it's put markets in turmoil. All of these things from the transgender swimmer to the American Federal Reserve to the power issues in Europe, they all have a common thread through them. Increasingly, this country relies on and the world relies on technocratic elite. And the technocrats believe that they can put in mathematical equations to figure out how people operate and what people should accept. And they also tend to not be grounded in any level of humility or a view of God. People are emotional animals. People are not spreadsheets, nor are people people algorithms. People are emotional animals. Economics is the one social science that has a lot of credibility to it. It's the closest that can be derived from math because people as a group, tend to be predictable in how they operate, but people individually are not. Those individual attributes can sometimes throw the group into conniption fits that can't be predicted, but generally patterns are repeatable and predictable, therefore can be measured. But in emotional situations, they cannot be. When the technocratic elite decide that there's no difference between a a boy who's taken testosterone suppressants or removed his testicles and therefore can become a girl and an actual native-born girl, uh, you've got problems for parents because the science does not back that up, even though the technocrats do because in large part the technocrats are of a liberal elite and therefore they have a worldview that disagrees with an overwhelming number of people. And so the technocrats, the bureaucrats, and the progressives in charge can say this is all fine, and the media can bully everyone into believing it, and it just fosters resentment. It fosters cultural resentment. And the technocrats can do their mathematical formulas and decide that you need to do this, that, and the other, and you don't want to. And the technocrats move heaven and earth to bully you into doing it, and it builds and fosters resentment. And then the technocrats screw up royally and get distracted in Europe and they freeze people to death. And the people want something else. And everyone loves a dynamic, charismatic figure. It's something the technocrats always forget. So along comes the charismatic figure who attacks the technocrats who no one likes because the technocrats treat people as if they're a spreadsheet or an algorithm instead of as people. And the charismatic dynamic figure decides he's going to oppose the people's will. And you have a populist uprising against the technocrats. And the populists tend to win. Why? Because people get mad at the technocrats. And it's very easy to blame them because they tend to be a bunch of goofballs who don't have any social uh, interaction skills, who hide behind their spreadsheets and numbers and tell people what they want and what they should want and what they need and how they behave based on statistics and spreadsheets. And it 
really breeds resentment. When people think you can predict their behavior based on a spreadsheet and statistics and algorithm, whether you can or you can't, people really get pissed off about that. Why? Because each person is an individual, and individuals want to think of themselves as unique. Even though they all get out these days and they get the skinny hipster jean pants and the flannel shirts and the beards and the sleeves of tattoos, they look at each other with the exact same clothes on the exact same tattoos and declare, I am an individual, and you copied me. People want to be thought of as individuals. And when the government thinks of individuals as just a group that can be controlled, that can be monitored, that can be placated, that can be steered in certain ways through the use of planning tools, and then they get it wrong, the people get really, really angry. And to some degree, that's what we saw on January 6th. You saw people get very, very angry. They were lied to by President Trump, frankly. But it was simmering, fostering resentments over time with the double standards from the way the Democrats could behave that the media would let them get away with. But then there are other grievances as well that sparked the whole movement of Donald Trump that led to January 6th, that a whole group of people in this country, many of them not longtime Republicans, a lot of them blue-collar voters, many of them had set out on the sidelines or voted for Barack Obama, decided that the government itself was the problem. The government had forgotten all about them. On top of that, the government increasingly liberal, even under Republicans, pushing a liberal social agenda related to transgender schools and the like, and people got mad about it. And then the Christians fell into existential crisis. Here come the Democrats of Barack Obama, literally filing lawsuits against religious groups to make them pay for abortion. And in the Obergefell decision, Barack Obama's own Solicitor General argues to the United States Supreme Court that, yes, it is plausible for the government to take away the tax-exempt status of churches that refuse to perform gay marriages. I don't know that you listening, if you're a Democrat or not a hardcore conservative, understand what that particular exchange in the Supreme Court did to Christians. Suddenly, for the first time in a very long time, they could perceive their government turning on them and the cushy ride of Christianity in America coming to an end into a persecution that we all know intuitively is going to come, just didn't think would come now. And it pushed a lot of them into an existential crisis where instead of looking towards their divine savior, they look to the political savior of Donald Trump. But it wasn't just them. You saw the blue-collar voters in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Virginia, say, oh, they're coming for me next. I work in a coal mine. They want to put me out of business. Saw the oil hands down south in Louisiana. Oh, they're coming for me. They're going to put me out of business. The technocrats thought they knew best. We got to save the planet. We got to fight global warming. We got to fight climate change, whatever you want to call it. We got to shut all these people down. And they were told they could learn to program. They could learn to code. They could get a different job. And then when reporters started losing their jobs and these people started mocking them on Twitter saying, learn to code, Twitter turned on these people and turned off their accounts and punished them for harassing the reporters who had been telling them the same damn thing. And it built Resentment. And all of these resentments over time 
lead to populist uprisings where they no longer respect the democratic processes because the democratic processes are the very processes that put the technocrats in charge. Now, why do the democratic processes put the technocrats in charge? You need to understand this piece of the puzzle. What do people who get elected do? Get reelected. And what do they do when they get reelected? They try to get reelected again. And what happens if in their race to get reelected, they take a vote or they do something that makes it harder for them to get reelected? Well, they don't like to do that. So what they do is they create something called a bureaucracy. And then they empower the bureaucracy to make their decisions for them. And so they then get to blame the bureaucracy for making the decisions the legislature should make. And the legislature can say, not my fault. And then the legislature hauls the bureaucrats before the legislature in the 24-7 cable mode with cameras pointed on the bureaucrat. And they get to yell and scream at the bureaucrat for doing what the bureaucrat did because they gave the bureaucrat the power to do it. And guess what they then do? Leave the bureaucrat in charge to keep doing the same thing over again becomes a spectacle and the people soon realize they're being played by the politicians and they're ready to get rid of the politicians. They're ready to get rid of the bureaucrats and they're ready to break it all apart. There are a series of TV shows that are coming out these days more and more. They're nihilistic. They're, they're just uh, apocalyptic. One I've been watching on, on Amazon is um, the wheel of time. It's based on a book series and it's essentially history repeats itself. It's it's um, got all sorts of pop religious stuff and historic religious stuff in it. Not a whole lot of Christianity. Christianity kind of sets itself apart. It's the only religion that is itself salvific. You've got to actually put your faith in someone else as opposed to history just repeats itself in reincarnation. And we do things to save ourselves. So there isn't a lot of it in it. But what you find is that uh, it's all about the wheel. The wheel just turns. The wheel has no agenda. The wheel just grinds on. On and on it goes. People want to break the wheel. It's kind of an underlying current for part of Game of Thrones as well. People want to break the wheel. They want to break the cycle. And the way you break the cycle when you are the people and you have a bureaucracy and a government in place is you find the strong man to come in and do it for you, to break the cycle, to break the wheel. When you have the bureaucrats, the technocrats, the elite, putting boys on girls' swim teams, and say not only is it okay, but you're going to be punished if you dissent. And then those girls lose their scholarships, lose their awards, and lose their prizes. And the bureaucrats tell you that's okay. And then tell you that that boy really is a girl. And if you say he's a boy, you're going to get your social media accounts turned off. And the crowd is going to come force you out of your job. People tend to get a little mad about that. When you have the technocrats say, hey, just just trust us. We've got this taken care of. We're going to get the most efficiencies out of the system that we can. And then your energy prices and your power bill go up and you freeze to death because you can't afford it because there is no natural gas. and They've shut down all the nuclear and coal plants. You get a little bad. And over time, you decide, you know what? The system in place, this democratic system we put in place, this liberal democracy no longer works because what our legislators are doing is they're offloading their responsibility to someone else, abdicating their responsibility, and there's no one we can hold accountable. Let's just break the whole thing apart. And you get authoritarianism. If you want to fix it, Stop relying on the technocrats and the experts. Rely on the elected officials. People are stupid, which means your legislature is full of stupid people. But guess what? That's a better system than all the other systems we tried.
do, exercise a little bit of humility. Maybe actually assume that the people know more than you. Maybe they're right culturally, and maybe you shouldn't force them to give up their culture and their values and their faith to adhere to a system you prefer. The minority sometimes is right. A lot of times the minority is the minority for a reason. And sometimes you should not allow the minority to impose their views on the majority, which is what happens with a secular white rich elite in this country as they insist that the rest of us should do exactly what they do and say exactly what they say. Words like Latino and boys or girls and Joe Biden is great and we have no reason to express any understanding for why anyone would want to storm into the Capitol to stop us from taking power based on years of us trying to impose our views on everyone else, shutting down churches and punishing people through the government. We just don't even understand it. Why should we even try to? It's that level of arrogance, that lack of a willingness to even understand, that's giving people more and more reason to say, let's just get another strong man in. Strong men are actually bad. We shouldn't want that but we should at least understand why people want them right now because the system they designed to be a government of the people for the people and by the people is more and more a government of the bureaucrats for the bureaucrats and by the bureaucrats, and they're all people who hate your guts. Now, you really want to fight? You really want to make a difference? You should consider something small, something that doesn't seem like it makes a difference, but all of us together make a real difference. She's using Patriot Mobile as your cell phone provider. I know, I know, don't laugh. Listen, the left has been doing this. There is a, a progressive cell phone company you've probably never heard of called Credo Mobile. And Credo Mobile funds the left. They fund the unions. They fund the abortion groups. They fund the left-wing activists. Liberals use them and they divert all of their profits to fund these causes. Conservatives finally stepped up in the game. It was a friend of mine named Chris who actually came up with this. Chris Wilson, pollster, great guy, um, really, really fantastic guy out of Texas. Came up with the idea on the right, said the left is doing this, let's do this. Hence, Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile uses their profits to fund the conservative movement, just like the left does with Credo. But Patriot Mobile, they share your values. They're Christian, they're conservative, they're not woke. They take a portion of their profits and they give it to Second Amendment causes. Uh, they give it to pro-life causes, veterans and first responders. Not only that, they give you great discounts. If you're a teacher and an RA member, if you are a veteran, if you're a first responder, if you have a huge household, you need a lot of cell phone lines, Patriot Mobile gives you great discounts. You can save money and work with a company that shares your values. And you get free activation with my name. If you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you can call them 100% U.S.-based customer service, 972-PATRIOT. Oh, have I got a story for you guys. Republicans have decided to gut a bunch of black congressional districts and state legislative districts in Michigan to maintain their control in the state legislature and their congressional delegation. And black lawmakers are furious. So if it's actually not Republicans doing it, it's white Democrats who have decided to do it. Yep, that's right. Uh, 15 black lawmakers and leaders in Detroit are filing a lawsuit challenging the maps the Democrats have come up with in Michigan, allegedly an independent redistricting commission, but um, that independent districting commission is carving up black districts and handing them over to white Democrats so those Democrats can maintain their hold on power. <laughs> Imagine if Republicans did it. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. 
I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business, First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no, it's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan, say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.